Welcome to the podcast, The Stories of Modern Kazakh Prose. In this podcast, we will be retelling selected stories from 20th century Kazakh literature, which was born out of and transformed the unique oral traditions that historically preserved Kazakhstan's rich heritage of images, narratives, and poems. Contemporary authors from Jusebek Aymoutov and Magjan Zumabayev to Mukhtar Awezov and Anwar Alimjanov, have created prose that defines the modern Kazakh nation. With this podcast, we hope to open up their world to a wider audience. by Josepek Amautov. Josepek Amautov, a teacher by training, served as the editor-in-chef of Abai magazine and the newspaper Kazartele. He also left a significant literary legacy as the author of the novels Kartkoja and Akbalek, as well as a number of other works. Akbalek is a psychological novel that was first published in 1927 in the magazine Equal Rights for Women. Aymotov was accused of counter-revolutionary activities and shot in 1931. His works were banned, so his books were removed from libraries and destroyed. The novel Akbalek was only rehabilitated and republished in 1989. On the beautiful and mysterious lake Markakol in East Kazakhstan lived the family of the wealthy Mamarbai, including his daughter Akbalek. Their village is peaceful until one dark night. Russian soldiers from the White Army who have been fighting in the civil war arrive in the village. Threatening villagers at gunpoint, they search for Mamarbai's daughter Akbalek. Hearing the voices, Mamarbai's wife takes her daughter and runs to hide her in the lowlands, but to no avail. Three Russian soldiers find Akbalek. Her mother cannot save her. A Russian soldier shoots the defenseless woman in the chest as she tries to protect her child. The soldiers throw Akbalek on a horse and ride away. Akbalek's beloved Bithort, Bikbolat, gives chase, but the Russians began shooting and escape. In the white's camp, as Akbalek shivers from fears, one of the soldiers discusses politics. The son of a noble family, he has been sent to this foreign land against his will and ordered to fight Kazakhs, who have the rights to be resentful against Russian. But the soldiers is not particularly interested in the Kazakhs, ill-equipped and ill-prepared for conflict as they are. 
As whites retreated in the civil war, they roped and killed the Kazakhs without a twinge of conscience. The soldiers in the steppe also took girls for comfort. Perhaps the Kazakhs had the right to accuse us of robbery. They can be angry about the kidnapping of a girl and even the death of a person. There is, to be honest, every reason for them to think of us as bandits. How can they fenced off by mountains and not having the slightest idea of what is happening in this world? Living like wild animals, understand our goals and understand us. Well, gentlemen, if there are a person living who would wish to be exiled from his father's land, forced to apart with his relative and those close to him. However, we didn't have much to do with the Kazakhs. No one expected that we would be here. It's just that the empire has been overturned, split in two. The Tsar is gone from the throne. Power has been usurped by proletarian cattle, the soldiers and the damned Bolsheviks. And we, the best sons of Russia, those who rebelled against the dictatorship, in retreating from deadly battles, have ended up at the ends of the earth. The whites had a collaborator among the Kazakhs, a man named Mukash. Mukash, who had learned Russian, had secretly led white soldiers to Mamarbay's house to take revenge on the wealthy family. Akpelek, upon regaining consciousness, realized that she has been raped. She attempts to escape but is caught. Soldiers surround her, laughing and teasing. <laughs> Only a man with a black beard stands aside. She calls him Chernaus, the one with the black mustache. And when a red-haired soldier tries to kiss her, Chernaus pulls him away. The quarrel between the men quickly turns into a duel. Chernaus shoots the red-haired man, then suddenly caresses Akbelek. When she looks stunned, he brings over an interpreter who tells her that Chernaus wants to marry Akbelek. His intentions are entirely different from the other soldiers. But Akbalik is still distressed. She remembers her mother's death and is full of guilt. Meanwhile, back in the village, people gossip that Mukash returned home late. Mukash claims he has a lot of late business in the city. His wife, Altanai, enjoys her husband's status and prosperity. She does not object to his night outings. Village gossip and hatred of her husband does not bother her as long as he continues bringing money to the family. Mamarbai, for his part, grieves the loss of his wife and the kidnapping of his daughter. After the funeral, he embarks on an investigation into the events. Everyone brings to suspect Mukash. It's hard to hide in the step. As for Akbalek, she starts living with Chernaus. Although he treats her well, she is largely indifferent towards him. It's not a real marriage. 
as the Red Army approaches, the whites become worried and tell Chernos he needs to get rid of Akbalek. They order him to kill her. Chernos agrees but cannot find the strength to do it. Instead, he leaves her alone in the steppe. Akbalek is terrified. She's frightened of the steppe, the wolves. Because that he that collect, there soon appeared a wolf's rumbling muscle. Akbelek's desperate cry, cutting through the night, made the wolf jump to the side for a second, giving her hope of salvation. But the predatory eyes blazed again, mouth open, despair, trembling, increasing. The wolves rushed forward, the spawning place let out a guttural rumble. Akbalek, realizing that the animals would shortly rush at her, decided to get ahead of them. She moved swiftly toward them, grabbed a stick, screamed and began to swing it around. From time to time she heard a particularly vicious growl. Sometimes from a blow with a stick, either on a predator that appeared, or on a gosh, she felt a sweet feeling in the head. Spinning faster and faster, Akbalek destroyed, waved her stick over and over, the walls closing around her. Akbalek hits, the walls touch, Akbalek hits, the walls jump. Akbalek prays to God. The wolves are furious. Akbalek is quaking. The wolves are roaring. Akbalek is screaming. The wolves are howling. So she fought with them for a long time. She almost suffocated from a nervous breakdown. Her movements became feverish. Thought that she was dying. That there was no salvation. That they would eat her rest through her head. Suddenly... Something bright flashed under her feet. The wolf jumped back. It turned out to be the coals from the fire. They had drunk tea and the coals had not gone out completely. Using her feet, Black immediately began to scatter them in a circle. Miracle! Fire, ash and slightly smoldering twigs flared up with a renewed vigor. At once, the wolves retreated from the blazing fire. Akbele hastened to toss more dry branches and bark onto the fire. And the wind operated, finding the flames as if it to say, I am on your side, see. And the brighter the flames glowed, the dimmer the fire in the wolves' eyes became. A few days later, she met a traveler the Sufi wanderer Iskander. Many considered him a saint and some considered him crazy. Iskander neither condemned anyone nor inquired about anything. He offered to help Akbalek find her way home and even offered to carry her. But the girl did not consent. She thought her body was dirty 
and that she was unworthy of being touched by a holy wind. Accompanied by Iskander, she came to village. The people of the village took her home. On the way, Akbalek was rocked with worry and shame. How could she go home and desecrate her house with this dirty body? She was worried what people would say, that her relative would condemn and curse her. Her fiancé, Bikbolat, had tried to learn her faith, but as time passed, he became ashamed to ask about her. After all, everyone knew what happened to girls in captivity. All the same, he could not think of her with disgust. Instead, he had gone to war. Finally, Akbalek arrives and at first joy overwhelms everyone. After spending five days at home, Akbalek tells Aunt Turqiya about her sufferings. Her father, still grieving the loss of his wife, looks at Akbalek with mixed emotions. Love, jealousy, pity, anger, disgust. Amarbai is also unhappy with his eldest son, Tulegin, who had not attending his mother's funeral and does not visit the family. Meanwhile, the wounded Bekbalat is in the hospital, where he sees Red Army soldiers who have fighting those wealthy Kazakhs who collaborated with the whites. Bekbalat's father is also prosperous, and this is a difficult time for him. After being discharged, Bekbalat goes to visit Akbalek's brother Tulegin. Tulegin understands that Bekbalat is still interested in Akbalek. After a few days in the city attending political meetings, Bekbalat and a friend go hunting. The friend warns Bekbalat that Akbalek has been dishonored. You can't marry her. This makes Bekbalat angry. He is a good man who seeks to serve his society and be just. He fights bad guys like Mokash. He returns to Akbalek and announces his intention to marry her. Akbalek is happy and the lovers reunite. But soon after Bekbalat leaves, she realizes that she is pregnant by Chernos. Her secret is soon discovered Mamarbai's new wife, Urkin. A mean woman who once called Akbalek a Russian slut guesses that the girl is pregnant. She forces Mamarbai to expel his own daughter from the house. Akbalek toils through childbirth in the home of a stranger. She receives a letter from Bekbalat in which he bids her farewell. All this makes Akbalek think of dying. Five years pass. In that time, Akbalet gave her baby son to her aunt Urkia to care for. Telegin returned to the village, got married, and reconciled with his father and Akbalek. He took Akbalek to Semipalatinsk, where she studied briefly before attending courses in Orenburg. There, she experienced many troubles surviving a famine.
Returning to Sima Palatings, she joined a theatrical circle, becoming part of a community of creative and open-minded people. Two men, Baltash and Akbala, both fall in love with Akbalek. At first, she prefers Akbala, but she soon discovers that he is not worthy of her love, having broken the hearts of other girls. Moreover, having learned the truth about Akbalek, he himself withdraws, saying he is only interested in innocent girl. Meanwhile, Akbalek runs into Chernaus and thinks perhaps he even wants to ask for her forgiveness, but they pretend not to know each other. In contrast to Akbala, Baltash declares his readiness to marry Akbalek, even after learning about her past. The newlyweds go back to Akbalek's village. Stricken with thirst, along the way, they accidentally wander into Bigbalat's house, where Akbalek realizes that Bigbalat is deeply unhappy. <laughs> Mamarbai greets them with affection. Urkia tells them that Mokash, who had led the Russians to Akbalek, has been killed. Akbalek learns that Urkia, who has been raising her son, is ready to return him to her. Akbalek is happy. She has finally found her place as a wife, a mother, and a woman. The novel Akbalek was one of the first Kazakh novels to describe Kazakh village life during the massive social transformation of the early 20th century. We are guided through these events by following the difficult fate of Akbalek, a girl who has the misfortune of being both beautiful and rich. She soon becomes a victim of men, every one of whom seems to betray her. Yet she remains strong despite the worst of humiliation, fighting fiercely for her right to be happy. This novel covers many complex human relations, the tensions between politics, tradition and community, and the feeling of a young girl and a woman. Throughout, Aimotov remains compassionate towards his heroine, urging us never to adopt a single woman's spirit in the face of an army of misfortunes, men, wolves, and so on. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please stay subscribed to us on your favorite podcast platforms. This podcast is produced by the Abai Center at the George Washington University and sponsored by J.C. Altin Almas. Author and writer Dina Sabirova. Narrator Madina Moldagali. Actor Ilnur Bildanov. And engineer Eldar Kudaybergen. The executive producer of this podcast is Aitolkin Kurmanova. <laughs>